Delicious meets nutritious in the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios. Each one-ounce serving of wonderful pistachios has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value and making wonderful pistachios one of the highest protein nuts. But perhaps more than that, I love all of the flavors they have. Their sea salt and vinegar ones are my favorite when I'm craving that flavor but want to keep it healthy. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. Wonderful pistachios come in a variety of flavors, like chili roasted, honey roasted, smoky barbecue, and jalapeno lime, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. Whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. So fill up with a healthy snack when hunger strikes. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. That's wonderfulpistachios.com. It's another Q&A edition of Optimal Health Daily, episode 2204, and I'm Dr. Neil Malik. Hey there, happy Friday, and welcome to another Q&A edition of Optimal Health Daily, where I answer your health questions related to fitness, diet and nutrition, and more. You send in the questions, and I answer them for you. And we're now giving away an Optimal Living Daily workbook to you, free of charge, if you send in a relevant question. So, be sure to send one in before we run out. We can only do this if your address is in the U.S. for now, but we're happy to send a digital version if you're outside of the U.S. You can email a relevant health-related question to health at oldpodcast.com. Now, before we get to today's question, once a month, usually during the first Q&A episode of the month, I mention a bit about my background and credentials so you can better understand where my perspectives come from. And given this is the first Q&A of the month, it's time. So, why do folks call me Dr. Neil? Well, it's because most folks don't know how to pronounce my last name. So whenever I'm teaching students, they'll say, um, Dr. Malik, ma, 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 and so I just said, you know what? You could stop right there and just call me Dr. Neil since that tends to be easier. Now, how did I get my doctoral degree? Am I really a doctor? Yes, I actually do have my doctoral degree. It's in public health, which is similar to a PhD. Now, I also received my master's degree in public health, and to really cover all of my bases, I also became a registered dietitian nutritionist. I'm also a certified health education specialist and a certified exercise physiologist through the American College of Sports Medicine. Now, I have been teaching in higher education for over 15 years, and I'm currently faculty within the California State University system. I've published peer-reviewed studies. I've presented at national conferences and have been interviewed by over 70 different media outlets for my expertise on basically all the things I talk about on this podcast. Now, this isn't a humble brag. All of this is to say that when I provide my commentary after each episode and I answer the questions you send in like today, I hope you feel as though it's coming from a place of truth. My only intention is to help you feel your best. So finally, with that, let's hear today's question as we optimize your life. Today's question came via email. Tom writes, what can I do about IBS without taking medication? Thank you so much for taking the time to send in your question, Tom. In my experience, it seems as though the rates of IBS are increasing. Again, this is just my experience, but according to some studies, IBS, which stands for Irritable Bowel Syndrome, anywhere from 10 to 25% of the U.S. population has it. 
it does tend to affect those that were assigned a female gender at birth more often. Now, no one really knows what causes it, but it's believed that IBS is related to oversensitivity of the nerves in the gastrointestinal tract. Now, diagnosing IBS can be tricky. This is because IBS symptoms are so similar to other common problems like the stomach bug or food poisoning. So symptoms of IBS, since we're talking about it, can range from excessive gas to bloating, cramping, and periods of diarrhea or constipation. I should mention that even though the symptoms sound similar, IBS is different from other gastrointestinal diseases like Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. Those are inflammatory bowel diseases, which are again, different. Now we're learning that there are lots of things that can help with managing IBS, like managing stress, exercising regularly, getting enough sleep, as you mentioned, Tom, medications, and of course, diet. So when it comes to managing IBS without medications, there are options. I would say one of the most promising options is diet-related. The one I recommend you discuss with your doctor is called the low FODMAP diet. This is a restrictive diet, so there are foods you'll need to avoid, but luckily, it's temporary. This diet has been shown to be very helpful for most that suffer from all forms of IBS. There are different subcategories of IBS. I won't go into that here. And again, luckily, the diet can be followed in the short term and may not require you to follow this eating pattern for life. Plus again, there are other IBS therapies, so if this one doesn't work, there are other options you can discuss with your doctor. I have recommended the low FODMAP diet to many folks, and they often experience relief in just a few days. Research, luckily, does seem to support this as well. So what does low FODMAP mean anyway? I remember when I first heard the name, I was like, you mean low food map, right? We're talking about a map of foods you can eat. Nope. FODMAP is an abbreviation for fermentable oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyols. That's a mouthful. Basically, these are fancy names for different types of sugars found in foods. For those with IBS, these sugars in particular need to be reduced or completely avoided. This is because they are fermentable by the bacteria in the gut. For those that don't suffer from IBS, these sugars that I just named, the ones with the fancy names, don't cause any problems. But for those with IBS, it can lead to all those uncomfortable symptoms like gas, bloating, abdominal pain, and diarrhea. By avoiding foods that contain these fancy-sounding sugars, oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyols, you may start to feel better. So the next logical question is, where do I find foods that are low FODMAP? This is where it gets a little tricky. Because these sugars are common in so many foods, the list of foods to avoid is kinda long. I'll list some of the foods to avoid here, but I encourage you to download a list of low and high FODMAP foods to keep with you. A great resource can be found on Monash University's website. Just type Monash, M-O-N-A-S-H, low FODMAP in a search engine, and it will pop up right away. Then click the high and low FODMAP foods link. So again, here are some general recommendations using a low FODMAP approach. Fruit. When it comes to fruit, try and avoid stone fruit. These are fruits that contain a pit, like plums, peaches, nectarines, cherries, and mangoes. Apples, sadly, are a no-go as well. Vegetables. Onions, leeks, 
mushrooms, and cauliflower should be avoided. Most importantly, avoid beans. Grains. Try and avoid anything with wheat in it, so you may need to purchase gluten-free for the time being. Dairy. Foods that are high in lactose, which is most dairy products, will typically cause symptoms to get worse, so it's best to avoid milk, ice cream, and soft cheeses. Yogurt could trigger symptoms too, so if you want to be really careful, avoid yogurt. But there are some folks that do just fine after consuming a small amount of yogurt. Meat. Try and avoid processed meat because sometimes one of the FODMAPs gets added during processing. Also, some marinated meats can cause problems. And again, because this is the marinade itself, may contain one of those sugars that can trigger symptoms. Nuts and seeds. Seeds are usually safe, but pistachios and cashews tend to irritate, so stay away from those. Sugars. Lastly, high fructose corn syrup, honey, and sugar alcohols tend to make symptoms worse. The trick is, try and avoid these foods for two to six weeks and see if your IBS symptoms improve. If they do, fantastic. Along with guidance from your doctor, you can then consider reintroducing some foods to see if any discomfort returns. Hopefully it won't, and that means you can probably consume these foods again. With time, if you follow this pattern, you will have a much better idea of how your body responds to these foods. And if you can write down the foods you eat, when you experience symptoms and so on, it will help you and your doctor find which foods are most likely to cause problems. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it filters out incompatible applicants. So when you're hiring, the process is much faster and you only have to consider applicants that are already likely to be a great fit. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com health. Just go to indeed.com health right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com health. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I wish you all the best, Tom, and I hope you feel better soon. And again, thank you for taking the time to send in your question. Now, if you want to get your hands on our Optimal Living Daily Workbook and have your questions answered right here on the show, send one in. You can email one to health at oldpodcast.com. If you want to send one in via audio, come by oldpodcast.com ask to record from your computer. Or you can do it the old-fashioned way and call in your question. The number is country code 161 i love ohd that's 1-614-568-3643. all right that's another q and a edition of optimal health daily thank you for listening every day and all the way through i hope you have a great start to your weekend and i'll see you back here tomorrow where your optimal life awaits <music>